welcome to the Antifada, where unrest is best until we come up with a new tagline. Uh, we are here today. Oh, whoops. I'm Jamie Peck. <laughs> yeah, I'm Sean. Hi, hi, I'm here. And we are here today with Marcus and Lorax from Left Flank Vets, a leftist veteran co-op dedicated to boosting leftist and progressive movements and candidates. They have a Twitch show that is very cool. They're on Twitter. They got a Facebook. They got Instagram. They got a whole media empire. Welcome to the show, it's guys. Empire, folks. How are you doing? You know, not to use uh, not to use the E word or anything. We, we call it a media commune. At least we tried and, and live by those standards. Fair enough. <laughs> Except for the, you know, the money aspect. That's... <laughs> <laughs> No, we're good. Really uh, good uh, thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're all we're all fans of the Antifada, so it's it's really good to be here, and uh, appreciate you having us on and talking about you know what we're doing and yeah, we love we love you guys too. So oh my god, awesome! Thank you for saying that. Thank you for your kind words. Um, don't be too nice to us, love fest or here. we might uh, <laughs> you know we might become even worse people than we already are. But um, I'll take it. <laughs> Uh, so I first found out about Left Flag Vets actually when one of y'all called into the Majority Report, and the Majority Report, the Majority Report, and I was interested in learning more about you guys and your politics and what you do. Uh, and you know, Sam never asks the questions that I would like to ask when people call in. Um, like, what do you think of Social most, Security? Most important, <laughs> like, yeah. Most importantly, like, are you a communist or what? So, I yes. guess uh, I'm gonna ask you guys right now. What? How would you describe your current politics? Do you mean left flank in terms of like, you know, you want uh, Joe Biden to beat Donald Trump, or you mean something a little more radical than that? Definitely a little more radical, and you know, the I was I was the caller, and the whole like, long time listener, first time caller, like that was me. You know, like I'd been listening to the Majority Report like since I was in the Marine Corps, and um, it had you know like, Majority Report, and like also watched like TYT and a whole lot of other different YouTube programs. Yeah, like led me along a path to realizing like. Oh, hey, what I'm doing is extremely bad. Um, however, there's a lot of things that, that the Marine Corps taught me that actually uh, are more tied to, yeah, socialism or communism as far as making sure that everyone's taken care of and doesn't and wants for nothing. And there's just a, a, a better human being that comes on, uh, out on the other side if uh, <laughs> they don't have to worry about, you know, surviving. So... Yeah, what's uh, what's unique about Left Flank um, is we are four different people with different ideals, right? I, you know, I I, I believe in a cashless and wageless society. Um, Anarcho-communist, more of a Kropotkin, but you know, we can all agree that General Smed Smedley Butler from the Marine Corps um, wrote this book, War Is a Racket, and he uh, he spoke about lining the pockets of oil execs and and exactly what we were doing in the military. I think. Um, so parts, you know, we, Marcus and I were part of Veterans for Bernie Sanders. Uh, I was the California director back in 2016, um, deputy director, and then political director for 2018. And then 2019, we kind of just started moving more and more left and started getting more radicalized. And uh, we do this show on, on Twitch called Socialist Sabbath, where we've read Guy Debord, uh, Kropotkin, Rosa Luxemburg, Lenin. So we try to, you know, take that dialectic materialism of you know, what the different 
sides of communism and, and like how we can actually apply that to today's standards. Um, reading Eric Olin Wright right now, as far as anti-capitalism in the 21st century. So, you know, Marcus and I do a Sunday show where we talk about that, but we are, we come from a unique lens of being part of this, this massive poverty draft, which has been flying under the radar for decades. And it's arguably worse than the draft in Vietnam, which was out in the open that created a very large anti-war sentiment because the anti-war movement has effectively been smashed so hard in the United States, knowing that it had such an impact at one point with combining with the civil rights movement and the, the leftist movement of the 60s and 70s. So bringing that back to today uh, is, is going to be a challenge, but we think it's important to cultivate the community in the leftist space, uh, there's a sign behind Marcus. I know this podcast says left of Bernie, and that's kind of where we're at, right? Uh, Bernie was kind of the compromise, was really the compromise for a lot of us. And, you know, I, I me being in California, absolutely voted for Gloria Libreva. So it wasn't like a, uh, you know, Biden... Biden beats Trump. You're not an anarcho-Bidenist or more yeah, anarcho-Bidenist. <laughs> yeah, no anarcho-Bidenist well, in you, our, our group. You gotta be. You, you gotta be careful though. Reading Eric Olin Wright, you may end up on that famous uh, anarcho-communist to an- analytic Marxist pipeline. Oof. Is that a thing? <laughs> no. I see. I just think it would be funny though. <laughs> I see the red and black flag behind you, so that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, I got, I got a few. Um, Hell yeah. But let's 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 dig in a little deeper here. So Marcus mentioned this a bit. Um, how did being in the military? Uh, how did that life impact your politics? You guys were left e or left ish going in. What did the military do to change your mind about things? Um, yeah. For so for me, I was I think like going to the military, you like largely just apolitical, but Democrat like leaning. You know, like it's kind of just where you're shifted being black in America and like. Hey, podcast listener, I'm a black dude. Um, so <laughs> when I remember being excited for Obama, and this was like before I joined the Marine Corps, you know, just because like, hey, my president is black and my Lambo is blue. And like, oh, that's awesome. But at the end of the day, I ended up deploying twice <laughs> under him and, and um, having a whole lot of experiences that, would not have happened had a you know a true progressive right if if there was someone with hope and change and so yeah it was it was really like the last year you know i'd come back from my second deployment um which it was called like a marine expeditionary unit and i was on a navy ship and we just bounced like all over you know the the middle east and you kept those corpsmen busy huh? (laughs) um i mean it was uh yeah, it, like, it, like I, I, there's there's a few moments and like really it's like more about the the people, like the like the way they looked at me, and the way they looked at us, and like it was just so obvious that uh, we had no business being there, you know, um, right? And and then there's like a lot of other things just about like personal trauma that 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 occurred, um, but but really you know end up asking myself why why am I doing this? Why are we doing this? Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, like, that's where I just kind of like fell down this, like, like literally their YouTube rabbit hole of, and then ended up to, you know, where I'm hearing more left content. Um, and it was like the Bernie Sanders, Hillary campaign comes up and specifically there was a moment where they ask about, uh, 
Syria, I believe. Hillary says she wants to have uh, no fly zones. And, mm-hmm. and I, re- I, like, I just remember thinking, like, that's going to be me. That's going to be my ass. Mm-hmm. And then Bernie says, you know, we shouldn't have... We should. We can't. We we can't even should be committing people to wars if we can't even afford to take care of them afterwards. And there's a very selfish thought of like, yeah, like what the hell? Why am I getting screwed over for nothing? And I'm not even gonna get taken care of on the back end. Um, but that that was like the breadcrumb that that led me to believe. You know, like down to like reading Smedley Butler's War is a Racket, understanding that this is all designed and 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 and. Uh, a system, yeah, that that's designed to pr- not only protecting capitalism, but also uh, engages in capitalism at the highest nature, right? And it's like we we say like what Smelly Butler says: "War is a racket," but also like capitalism runs on blood, and war is the top donor. Um, and so I don't know. That's kind of like what I'd seen, and kind of what had led me <laughs> along the way. And Lorax. So um, what's what's cool about us is we represent um, three different branches. So we have Dick, Dick who was in the army. Um, Erica and I were were in the were in the navy. Marcus was in the Marine Corps. Uh, I was I started reading uh, Marx in high school. Um, in fact, like prior to that, I, I led a walkout against the Iraq War. But again, you know, call back to the poverty draft. We the the military preys on low income communities and growing up in without direction, you know, did a lot of drugs and drank a lot in high school. I didn't really have a lot of direction because of, um, you know, whatever I was going through. But I, uh, I joined the Navy specifically. I came home one day and my mom's sitting in the living room with the Navy recruiter and they had already decided that I was going to the Navy. So senior year at 17 years old, I'm signing up for a, the military because I, jo- I joined the Navy because I didn't want to see combat. Right, like that's that's my idea. It's like I want to get out of the situation I'm in, but I don't want to see combat. But little did I know that, no matter what, you're still part of this cog in the machine, and you see a lot more than you shouldn't have to see. Uh, no human should ha- ever see, and that's where. Sorry about that. My dog is excited. Oh. We we celebrate all puppos and yeah, boys she, with she, the girls. She, she, can you, you want to go ahead and uh, say 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 your dog's name? My dog's name is uh, Rosa Luxembourg. Um, oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> Lux for short. Um, um, I don't want to make this weird, but I would die for your dog. <laughs> I would too. Uh, I think. I think the whole community would die for my dog. Honestly, they, they take my dog over me any day. Uh, but I don't want to uh, derail things, but I just want to pick up on one of the things you said about um, the Navy, and then you can continue. But I had a friend, me and him were in the same position in high school, and he ended up doing exactly what you did, right? We both had shitty jobs working in factories. We were both 18 years old, uh, and he decided to join the Navy so he didn't have to shoot anybody. He ended up becoming a corpsman. And he ended up going to uh, Kosovo, like the the the, uh, the police operation we were doing over yeah. there in um, yeah. in the Balkans. And as a corpsman, you guys probably know better than anyone uh, if you're not really supposed to be out there on the front lines and shooting. But if there is an engagement, you know, and you're the only one that could do anything, you can shoot. And he ended up shooting at people, potentially killing people, and it really fucked him up. And he he came home and he actually a walled for like uh, thirty days on my couch. It was I forget how many days it. 
it is before you're like go for that's AWOL exactly, to like the yeah, worst that's thing. like the yeah. limit. It's like thirty days. Thirty days, yeah. 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 So. so at twenty twenty nine days, he shows up at my work and he says, "Bro, you got to get me back to Fort uh, with the one in South Carolina or North Carolina. You got to get um, me there within." Uh, Oh no, he would have been at Camp Lejeune if he was a corpsman. Camp Camp Lejeune. That's it. That was my last duty station. He said, you got to get me to Camp Lejeune. I said, okay, we can go this weekend. He said, no, I have to go now. So we, I, I, I like told my boss I'm leaving. We jumped in my car. I drove him 14 hours straight down there and got him there with like an hour to spare. But like, he's a perfect example of this too. Like he didn't go in. He wanted to be a medical, like a medical uh, provider. Yep. He wanted to get his EMT cert after that. But it really fucked him up because if you're in the military, you're in the military. Well, and that's so, yeah, Lorax, uh, yeah. and it yeah. and it, it it deformed his politics as well. Like he's a he's no, a Trump guy now. Mm. He's big time. Yeah, and, and I will he say, really yeah, the majority of, of people who served or got out are, um, you know, uh, it's it's interesting because we've had this conversation multiple times about like what you know what veterans uh, become after they get out, and we saw like an, on J six on January six where you know fifteen percent of the people who got arrested are veterans um or participated in oops and and, you know we there's this like weird veteran uh you know the the black rifle coffee the the Mm. um grunt style you know fuck your feelings kind of idea from veterans but and and we we know that there are more of us out there that just like don't have anywhere to go that that we and we've we've tried to cultivate that community through left flank. It was just like, hey, if you are you know a lefty vet, um, whether you're a communist or socialist or even like Bernie supporter, which there were a lot um, during Vets for Bernie in 2016, we cultivated an, a list of six thousand or seven thousand veterans across the country willing to knock doors for Bernie, and that's a good amount of people. And people don't really take that i mean, I mean the yeah. campaign didn't really recognize that unfortunately but like especially you know. like when you're talking about it's like and like what's like why it's um concerning you know to say the least about the 15 percent veteran makeup is that veterans largely make up about one percent of the overall population um and it skews older right there's been since there hasn't been a overall draft um there's a lot of middle-aged to older men that are yeah uh that are veterans and and then uh, and being able to like a change the narrative but also make sure like we've got <laughs> plenty of uh vietnam vets that are you know within our community that in like veterans for peace is actually uh anti-war uh organization that started uh by a vietnam vet um and so yeah there's 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 that group there, you know, and I guess we are kind of just a, a regeneration of, of, of some of those some of those things. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know where I'm even going with this. Just kind of <laughs> pointing that out. <laughs> yeah, we, we w- no, there's a long history of this. Yeah, Go ahead, we, we wanted to ask you, actually, on this note um, about the vets in groups like the three percenters and the Oath Keepers and, you know, the fact that there was a significantly higher percentage of vets in the group that stormed the Capitol than there is in the general population. Like, why do you think some veterans are drawn to these uh, right-wing militia movements? I, I think um, one, of the, one of the things, and, you know, the, we're seeing this right now with, like, the military trying to take action, trying to get, you know, extremists out of their ranks, but we've known for decades this is happening. Like, we've known that people in these groups are... are 
going into the military. And it's funny that people mention it's like, oh, they're going after Proud Boys. It's like, yeah, but they've been going after black and brown gangs for fucking years, right? But now they're finally classifying Proud Boys in that same uh, um, group. And so now we're, we're sitting here like, oh, well, about time. But at the same time, you're also, you realize that this is part of the, the um, entire military industrial complex. The, the military is built on colonialism, white supremacy, imperialism. It is built on this. And they're, they're saying they're going to go after Proud Boys and, and like KKK members in the military. But I'd be, um, I'd be remiss to say that uh, the military that will do a half-assed job doing it so yeah i think like well to try and key in i was like why is there so many veterans that are involved and it's like part of it is overall culture you know obviously like united states has like a shoot 'em up bang bang you know gun culture um that's been going on for yeah decades now um and and the part of it the other part too is that recruitment um a lot of these organizations, at least these far right, right extremist movements, understand that veterans will have some knowledge about, you know, whether it's fighting tactics or whether it's just information on, on the government and how it, it runs, you know, or, you know, and, and so they're understanding, hey, this is an important community to go after and how do we recruit it? And they're being successful in, the, in those efforts. Um, so it, it, it might, you know, it might just be as simple as their, their, um, <laughs> their headquarters understand, hey, this is what we can use people for and we need to go after them. And, and you know, the, the, their propaganda is working because a lot of the military isn't really Republican or Democrat. They're independent. And so mm. that's where I would say independent and like really like anti-government because there's no way that you go through like four, five, six years in the military and think the government does everything right. Like, it's just impossible. And so where do you go from there? Hey, we should improve it. Or, hey, everything burns to the ground and the toughest person wins. You know, and... I, I'm reading uh, I'm reading a book right now, Hinterland, which I, we're going to talk about on this show by uh, Phil A. Neal. Incredible book out from Reaction Books. A few years old, but it's really good. One of the theses that the author had in this was that because America in this late, late capitalist stage, this hellhole, austerity, perpetual crisis, because of our atomization and our alienation, there are really very few outlets people have for communal and collective living. Yep. And that when people get into the military, they feel like they're part of something. And then the transition out of that is very, very difficult because instead of having you know, a core or a unit, having comrades, all of a sudden you're left to the, your own devices. So he argues that that lack of communal living within American society draws some veterans into something that's like that, like the Patriot Movement, like yeah. the Three Percenters yeah. and the Oath Keepers. What do you guys I think? I think uh, one, one other point, too, is the, the, the culture that the military breeds, the, the very male, male-dominated, toxic culture. That is something that we've had to fight to get out of, and we constantly have to do it. And Marcus and I have talked about this uh, just one-on-one -on -one about like how we have had to really <laughs> shift our thinking because you know, I, I might have joined as like a, a young Marxist in high school to avoid combat. But as soon as I got in and got around 20 other dudes in a, in a small shop with this military mindset, things like you get sucked into that culture of like hazing and, and um, 
objectifying women uh, and, and things like that. And so, you know, when they f have that group and then they recruit out into this community that is also very misogynistic, uh, yeah. you know, women just belong in the kitchen type things like the Proud Boys believe and the Three Percenters believe, uh, it, it's something that you do have to fight against and fight you know, there's a saying that we like to say is, you know, become a communist, get a community. So it's hmm. it's something that we've we've created our own little community. It's like, hey, we can be friends and have our own uh, community based on love and mutual respect and dignity. And so, sorry, that was a little yeah. off topic on the question. I just no, that's but, that's really important. Did you that, have something? To oh yeah, I was gonna say that there's like. But that's the, the also the community that just like overlaps, right? So you got that toxic masculinity culture in the military, and then when hey a three percenter or three percenter, a proud boy or whatever, you know, like when when they come along and say, yeah, hey, you just transitioned out of the military, come come with us, join our club, join our gang, you know, and like I think you know the United States Marine Corps is you know one of the biggest gangs in the, in the world. Um, hmm. And and so just having having to leave that and also too it's like part of it's like having knowing what to wear that was something that was like kind of tripped me out and like transitioning out of the military I call it, it's like it's like a transition that that that's like into falling off of a cliff you know you transition from from one elevation to another but is it a comfortable transition no no it is not um, so that's where. Yeah, if there are, there are, if there are these groups of people that are like literally right there to catch the baby, like how is that baby going to be raised? And the way people transition out of the military, it is like like a like a rebirth because in a lot of ways you your whole social structure that you had before it disappears like that, and it's one day you are this, you have a rank. You have a certain importance to a, a to a community, and then the next day, it's it's all gone, you know. And that's where, yeah, you know, it sucks because like our whole project is a realization that we fucked up with some 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 of our decision <laughs> decisions in our life, uh, and and we've contributed to something that's yeah that's literally changed the world for the worse, right? The military industrial complex, the United States military. Um, but, but how do we go, how do we, how do we, you know, go forward and, and, and make something better of that? And how do we try and be <laughs> the other side, catch, hopefully being able to catch people, um, and, and drive them to a, a much more positive way of, of living and thinking. Yeah. So this could be a good lead into talking about your media project, because it seems like that's some of what you're trying to do with left flank vets. So um, can you tell me a little bit about um, why you started it, what you're hoping to achieve, and maybe uh, some of the experiences you've had along the way so far? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll t start off on this one. Um, yeah, so Marcus and I were part of the, the Vets for Burning community and, and, you know, the core group. And in 2019, we realized we weren't getting a lot of love from the Bernie campaign. So we were just like, you know what? Uh, we got a hold of the social media. The person who started it was like, I'm done. So I'm just like, you know what? Left flank vets is something that I've been thinking about for a long time. Because it's something that left flank itself is a military maneuver from the left, right? And whenever you see articles about, like, AOC, the left flank of the, the Democratic Party, right? We were just like, you know what? We're... We're just going to call it left flank vets. 
And um, we, we just started a new Twitter. And, and our only rule when we started our Twitter was just don't get banned. Like, we can go after all the Democrats we want. Like, with Vets for Bernie, we were tying ourselves to Bernie. But now we're just like, reins off, let's go after, like, the people we don't like. Like, the Joe Bidens of the world who pushed for Iraq in 1998, you know? Mm-hmm. Six years before we even entered Iraq. Seven years. Um, but these, these kind of things, we, we started uh, Left Flank. Um, we were never going to be any sort of media group or, like, uh, you know, do a, do a stream. We didn't even, I didn't even know what Twitch was. We but, just like shitposting and cyberbullying people in power. <laughs> yeah, we enjoyed it's it. Very important. That's, that's, yeah, that's so. how you end up with a Twitch stream or a podcast. Yeah, like you just get really good at cyberbullying the, the worst people in the world. <laughs> well, we, and then we took cyberbullying to the next level as soon as uh, we realized the military was starting to start Twitch streams to recruit 12 to 14 oh. year olds, right? Oh, so, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta so we fight like, fire with fire. Yep. We were like, we're going to go on Twitch now. And, and I remember our first stream, it was like I was sitting on the balcony having a cigarette and a beer and like went to the liquor store to buy more beer and cigarettes. And that was like our first stream. We were just testing it out. And then um, Erica, so, so it's four of us, Erica, Dick, uh, Marcus, and I. And Erica joined in. Uh, she was pushing for the United Left stuff. And she's like, hey. And we were like, hey, let's ask her to join. She's a Navy vet, just got out. Um, and so we had our, our, our core group of lefty vets. And Erica does a lot of great work. And Dick is one of the best shit posters I've ever met. Um, Marcus is fantastic as well, and like you I can't do all, see, like, but I'm saluting stuff. right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I, like yeah, and, and and that's like it's kind of like it's been it's been a trip really because um, like yeah, like the name is left like veterans. We don't necessarily talk about you know like veteran stuff. You know, there's still not a whole lot of like American flags and 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 and, and like talk of a of of our our old days and stuff like that. Um, it's kind of just like where we're coming from, you know? Uh, but no, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, being able to, yeah, cyber bully the army and the Navy to the point where like they had to put out like official publications that ended up getting to like link to Ken Klippenstein of, (laughs) of like how to deal with the trolls in the Navy Twitch chat. And, mm. like, so being able to read after we were, like, okay, hey, this is just wrong. Because, like, we could understand in a world, uh, hey, you you might still need a military. And, like, I'm a big proponent. Like, the Coast Guard is, like, the only one that should exist full time because they just want people to have a safe time on the water. They're, like, America's <laughs> lifeguard, you know? What's wrong with that? But everyone else, like, no, you just need to get the fuck out of people's countries. And, and, and that's it. Um but going after the yeah. army and the navy and being able to like actually affect their operations um yeah it kind of solidified like yeah this is this is what we're doing this is this is what we're doing now and we just kind of kept streaming and and i mean we i i, I say we're like we're, we're building the plane as we're flying and um uh, yeah, I think now we've kind of like fallen into a good place as far as like what we're doing and what the, where the project is going. Um, but no, at the end of the day, it's it's all about just giving a space for people to um, like be who they are, right? And like, there's a lot of veterans that that didn't feel like they had a space on the left. Um, yeah. So, and for someone like who might be thinking about joining the military, and they watch us, and we've seen that, and we have some active duty folk hitting us up, you know, who watch us, and they're like, hey, I want to get out blah, 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 and they, they talk to us, right? So 
you know, counter recruitment is something that is some like more veteran organizations are pushing for now. Vets for Peace, About Face, Veterans Against the War, are all pushing for counter recruitment. Something we we like to push as well. You know, if we could get give people options outside of the military for their their um, to get out of the situation they're in. You know, like trade trade positions. You don't necessarily have to go to college. Um, there are options for like unions. If we can get people out of the military and into unions and build that union group to be able to push for that 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 you know, <laughs> hopefully 1917. But who knows where we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. be? Um, but it, it's the whole idea of like we're playing. We're, we're trying to play our part as veterans, but we also you know we like to think where we talk about things from a, a leftist perspective as well. And we have four unique personalities on the show to do that. Also, if I can do oh, yeah. one more plug for uh, the GI rights hotline is a place where, you know, we boost their message to, to, to try and like, you know, like whether you want to become a conscious objector and you're serving in the military um, or if you're a national guard and you just want to refuse to, to work a protest, um, you know, those are all things that like you, you, you should be able to do without repercussion and, and even getting the current, you know, current people serving, understanding the poverty draft is a thing. And some people don't have choices, but making them, uh, <laughs> making them like making the choices known, like, Hey, you don't necessarily have to engage in imperialist activities, um, especially against, you know, your own countrymen. Uh, so that's another thing to spread. Uh, on the uh, we'll put the the link to the GI rights hotline and a bunch of other stuff in the show notes. One thing uh, that Lorax was saying about the unions, um, there's already it, it's in New York City. I'm not sure where else it is, but there's a group called Helmets to Hard Hats, mm -hmm. which helps uh, transition veterans into the trades, which is great, I guess, on, on the face of it, right? It's good get get them in the building trades, but they're getting they're getting those people on the back end. So if you guys can get them on the front end before they even have to go do an imperialism, do a colonialism, do a no growth, that's that's a wonderful thing. Um, on that note, what? Uh, so you've created this network and you have various different platforms now and you speak with people all the time. What are some of the kinds of inspiring stuff that you've heard from listeners or people that have reached out to you? I'd say getting the messages like of people who are still serving and saying... I, I felt alone and I no longer do. And I'm, I'm even getting choked up now. Um, that's, that's something that like, I remember being alone in my barracks room thinking like I was the only one that thought this way. And mm. you know, like, so that's for me, that's, that's it. Um, but, uh, but all, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely been the, the, the like the most important thing is just that right there, because there's a lot of people who, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be end up going down the wrong path if they don't find the right community. And and the fact that we're actually doing it, even just for one person, it it, it really it, it touches me. Hell yeah! Yeah, some of the um, you know, I, I the Instagram messages we get from people, uh, they can be pretty bad, but there there are the the few good ones that are just like, hey, I found your channel, I found your Instagram, I don't know how, and it's really like just like I checked out your stream and it's just this, this, these links of the different social medias that like have pointed people to the Twitch stream where we, and then like they get on the discord and now we have like 600 people on the discord server that are chatting and there's like comrade support, you know, there's uh, because there, there is a unique, uh, 
unique amount of trauma that comes from the military from day one, right? You're a piece of shit if you're five minutes late. You're subhuman if you're five minutes late to anything, you know, just from day one. And that yeah. that can lead to a lot of just questioning, self-doubt. Uh, um, and this is something that, like, the military cultivates. It's just you're a piece of shit if you do anything wrong. Um, and, and another thing, like, I mean, so the, the, the facts that ass campaign. So... I, <laughs> Just you know, we we also like try and get people to like uh, contact their uh, representatives. Um, I mean, we did get in some good trouble calling the Trump voter hotline, um, and uh, that was. <laughs> but either way, is like we've gotten people to like just contact their representatives, and that's another thing that just like I feel uh, pretty important. Yeah. And and I don't know. If, I just want to like make sure I ruin everyone's love that they might have built up for me. So I used to be a congressional staffer. I do think, you know, engaging in electoral politics is important and useful. Um, so that's something that that I'm like, it, it's, you know, like I feel like it's, it's actually making a difference in some way or another um, that we're, we're, we're we, we do on a regular basis of like, hey, this is this this is the senator that sucks for today. Here's his number. Here's how you fax him. Uh, here's how you send him an email. Um, go, <laughs> you know, and that's, I, uh, yeah. yeah. I think I also, you know, that's that's another point is like, you know, I I, I remember talking about I sit in a, I sat in a nine hour city council m- meeting, uh, and I, you know, I called in twice, and I shared it with the community and like, you know, one of the one of the people part of our community was like, hey, I went to my first city council meeting and I and I push things because I I do push a lot that if you're going to build power, it's got to be local. You're not going to do it through a candidate every four years. You have to build local power and local ballots don't have Democrat or Republican on it. So if you can build a working class movement, you've got to do it through local local pushes, right? Um, you know, I'm a member of DSA and also a, a socialist alternative, San Diego, and uh, told them to give him a shout out. But, uh, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. But yeah, that's, it's these kind of things. It's like seeing that in the community too is, is really heartwarming of just people getting involved that were never involved uh, before because that you can shit post all day and retweets are free, but also to get involved in lit drop about rent cancellation and, and you know, Erica was talking about working with her, her DSA today. You know, she's out there dropping off for people getting evicted. It's like, you're not alone and here are your rights and things like that. You know, that's important work. It's not just... Uh, podcasting or not just uh, Twitch streaming like we know y'all are involved locally too especially like New York mm-hmm. DSA and stuff so um, you know I think pushing that lo- local local organizing is incredibly important yeah I couldn't agree more um, uh, you were talking about Bernie earlier and I want to dig into that a little more because Bernie was really the closest thing we've had to an anti-imperialist candidate in quite some time, at least a viable one. Uh, so what impact do you think he had on the anti-war movement, on your efforts to um, you know, radicalize people in the military? I know he had very strong support from veterans. Um, and maybe this is a follow-up question, but what would you say to the hardliners who were like, well, you know, Bernie's still an imperialist and he upholds capitalism, which is the root cause of imperialism, therefore, you know, not a, not a viable route, not a viable messenger for any of this stuff. I would say, I, I guess, let's start off with the haters, because that's the easy swat, is that, like, you don't have a messenger, you know, uh, 
if, you know, like without him being in the position that he is in. So if it's like, oh, hey, he shouldn't be what a United States senator, you know, and that's something too. Is like at the end of the day, we critique Bernie often. Like every time the F thirty, like the F thirty five, you know, um, got like trillion dollar black hole. You know, part of that, you know, like Bernie uh, supported it, voted for it, and and part of the, you know, like F thirty five is it, it finishes assembly in Vermont. You know, so mm. yes, that's something that we can critique. However, to go to the uh, 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 original question. That's where, yeah, you know, like with, with Bernie Sanders, it just popularized, you know, it, it, it like there's there's multiple movements, you know, whether it's fighting for $15 minimum wage, which, you know, like, no, isn't enough. Um, Medicare for all, you know, like a lot of the issues that he just popularized. It's not that Bernie Sanders invented anti-imperialism or uh, invented the, you know, like anti like Iraq or Afghanistan war movements. Um, but just the ability to popularize those things and also allow space for, you know, some 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 other entities to just grow within his wake, you know, like like us. Um, so at the end of the day, if 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 Bernie is, you know, complete sellout and, and, and should be canceled, um, if if he was able to bring, you know, the community that we've been able to cultivate and, and, and the fact that we're just, you know, being able to speak to y'all, if that is, if that alone was it, then like, I'm, I'm happy, you know, like, I'm, like, I'm not going to play. Yeah, I think a, a lot of people, you know, came from the Bernie movement and radicalized post Bernie, right? Bernie opened the door. I think also Hillary Clinton being the war hawk that she is in 2016, pushing the no fly zone in Syria, which would lead to a greater conflict with Russia. We don't have to go into details of what a no fly zone in Syria would do. But, you know, these kind of things, um, you know, there's people like, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of Tulsi. I, th- I believe the Tulsi to Fash pipeline oh, is no. a very real thing. But she, you know, she was a surrogate in 2016. And I remember her speaking against the military industrial complex and Stop Army Terrorist Act. Too bad she went the way she went. But, uh, yeah, I don't, we don't have to get into Tulsi discourse at all. <laughs> Please um, no. No. No, we do um, not. No, we passed that. But, like, those kind of people did open a door to, to uh, you know, the anti-war movement. And... With uh, active duty, I, I will say Bernie got more donations than any other candidate than in 2016 and 2020 from active duty folk. And so that's important to recognize is like Bernie is popular because uh, one thing we wanted to push his campaign from like the left is when you're talking about Medicare for all, bring in talks about the VA and you know how veterans have the universal health care that we, we should be pushing for in a mass capacity. And we never got that, you know, we never got that, uh, that push from the campaign because it was too, too far to go for a national health care system, right? Medicare for all sounds nice, it's nice messaging, but we see that, that ability as veterans to be like, hey, you know, we, we've experienced a nationalized health care system. And I think that is something we can bring in. Bernie just opened the door. We're just taking him more left. That's really all it is. Um, and we've cultivated that community. Hell yeah, left of Bernie, just like your poster says. Yep. <laughs> moving, uh, moving into the future, because Bernie, for better or for worse, is uh, very much the past. Not that he's not doing fine work in the Senate, but Joe Biden is now president. Science is back in the mm. office. We believe in science and we believe in the rules-based international order. We're going to go around, we're going to repair all the damage done by the orange menace. 
uh, as uh, as veterans, as people who have seen the front lines of this, and obviously still pay attention, I'm sure, a lot to the course of American imperialism. What are your foreign policy expectations under Joe Robinette Biden? Yeah, and uh, will will he be substantially <laughs> different from Trump? Because this is one reason, one thing that the the libs were using to browbeat everybody into voting yes. for Biden. So um, I wish um, it would be nice to talk about the expectations, um, but we are already dealing with realities with uh, Joe Biden's foreign policy and from pushing troops back into uh, like areas around um, Syria to now going back on, on, on not selling weapons to uh, Saudi Arabia that will be utilized in Yemen. Um, like there's uh, recruiters across the board are, are, are preparing to ramp up for the economic downfall of most of, uh, <laughs> of, most of uh, our society. And, um, no, you know, like when they talk about war drums with Iran that, that are getting beat, um, pushing more troops back into Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah, it's like we don't have to talk about expectations. Um, and we know for a fact that if you're going to say who's better at starting a war or getting a war started, Joe Biden or Donald Trump, the answer is Joe Biden um, because yeah. he's been successful. Yep. Lorax? Yeah, I, I would 100% agree. I mean, we're, we're already seeing Joe Biden back off the, the, the Yemen stuff, but... I mean, when he said it, there were caveats involved. And I think that's where we know those caveats. When you say we're going to end offensive funding, what do we call our department? Department of defense. <laughs> but, but like, that's the thing. The, there are words like nat, national security is just used as a guise for fucking uh, imperialism. And so you have people like Joseph Robinette Biden who was pushing for Iraq in 1998, who's never seen a war he doesn't love or voted for. And so yep. even in 2008 to 2016, when he was vice president, you know, there were a lot of things. He was supposed to lead the pullout of Iraq and Afghanistan. Didn't happen. Supposed to lead the Guantanamo Bay uh, closing, which there's word that he's looking into. Again, he's creating a committee to look into closing Guantanamo Bay. Well, it happened. Yeah, and he owes me 2000 motherfucking dollars. Where's my money, Joe? <laughs> no, Seriously. Yeah. No, exactly. And so, you know, what he did with Saudi Arabia recently, and this is what the press is going to cover. He's, They're not going to cover the fact that the, now we're giving them defensive money so they can create more fam um, famine in Yemen. But also, uh, he's backing off of that. And then the woman, the women's rights activist in Saudi Arabia who just got released, but really is not fully released. And I think he came out and did a whole press conference saying, I praise Saudi Arabia for doing this. But people in Saudi Arabia are like, no, she's still being held. She's just released from jail. And so there's not like any actual fight going on. And so Joseph's out there pushing for that. And, you know, this is just the fucking checkboxes, right? You just... You know, I don't want to put on the, the foil hat, but these are the things that you see. It's like, hey, we're going to stop the offensive in Yemen, and we're going to say we're going to praise Saudi Arabia for being a human rights leader by releasing this uh, woman activist, and we're going to condemn Iran for being an anti-human rights country, even though they're about 30 years ahead of Saudi Arabia and the Wahhabi uh, government yeah. there. And so you... <laughs> 
we're building up that relation or building that push for Iran. The war drums are already happening for Iran. They've been happening for a decade. Uh, it's not something that Joe Biden wants. And then his secretary uh, of state, Anthony, um, and I cannot remember his Bill, name. Blink, Blinken. Blinken. Anthony Blinken has already said Iran is the number one state sponsor of terrorism in the world. Uh, China is our number one threat. China and Russia are our number one threats. So the cabinet's full of ghouls. Uh, better ghouls, sure, but that's, you know. Yeah, but like, matter. what the fuck does that mean? You know, like, what does it mean? And, like, that seems like better ghoul might mean better at starting war ghoul. You know? Right. And that's yes. where it's just, like, business as usual means we can start forever wars. That's what business as usual means. And and we are we are here. We're back here again. Yeah, I mean, Trump couldn't even start a war with Iran. What he a tried. loser. What he a tried. He definitely <laughs> tried in Iran. Like, Credit to Iran. But it was, they that. fucking burst th- yeah. Soleimani and yeah. it didn't even work. So. I was going to say thanks, thanks to the rational planners over in Iran who decided not to take the bait and just throw some missiles at empty parts of bases in Iraq. Thanks to the Iranians. Yep. An uh, entire regional conflict didn't pop off because uh, say what you want about them, but they're relatively reasonable and rational world actors. They don't want to get fucking murked. Yeah. Which and, 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 and like the thing with that Soleimani strike is that it, it came off of actions that 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 were out in the open. Um, there 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 was a uh, a reclassification of certain Iranian um, uh, military groups. Um, there was, you know, like from, from them just, Hey, being an organization to them being a terrorist organization, you know, like there's, there's, there's certain like bureaucratic steps that happen and that got reported on almost a year out in advance, um, that, that led to these actions. And, and that's, what's like crazy is like technically like per the, what we've got written on our books, that, that Soleimani strike was 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 fine and like and like that's that's part of the problem is that every year when these ndaa comes up come up that's that's where you see you know that that war is indeed a racket when the two-party system can come in lockstep they can't agree on giving government like giving local governments money they can't agree on getting testing done, they can't agree on any of that shit. What they can't agree on is seven hundred forty billion dollars for one year for Pentagon funding, and that's, you know, also understanding that they're going to give the Pentagon more money throughout this next year, and they're going to do it again and again and again. Um, the yeah, National Defense Authorization Act that you're referring to, it's about 20 years old now at this point, right? Yes. It's almost its birthday. Yeah. It's going to almost be able to drink starting next yeah. year. Yeah, so there's two. Pretty watch, out, watch out when it gets drunk. Well, there's you don't want to know what it's going to do. There's the NDAA, which is the year, you know, it's part of the, that was part of the omnibus bill this last year. It's every year they vote on the NDAA. But the AUMF, the Authorization Use of Military Force, is mm. uh, from 2001. Right, it's it's classifying any any country that has a terrorist cell quotes air quotes here, um, a a threat right where we can bomb whatever country we want as long as we classify them as harboring terrorists, and that's what we got away like internationally like or not internationally but nationally through the United States and our laws, bombing Soleimani was killing him assassinating him 
was okay based on the 2001 AUMF. And that's right. where Trump gets away with that. And Biden, I can guarantee you, Biden's going to be a little bit better at starting a war with Iran. And, yeah. you know, we people bring up, like, the Iran nuclear deal. I don't agree with the Iran nuclear deal because it's... They're trying to bring it back, but it's regulating in other countries what they want to do with their resources. If you're another country and you saw what we did to Libya after we asked Gaddafi to give up his nuclear weapons, and he did, and he complied, and we still fucking destroyed their country and created a na an international slave trade out of Libya, uh, would you give up your nuclear weapons? That's, like, at this point, no. You're trying to defend yourself from U.S. imperialism. Yeah, hell no. This is, uh, this is what no anti-war movement does to an AUMF. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we recently had uh, Mike Preisner on, who's, you know, PSL, longtime anti-war activist. He's part of the Winter Soldier, anti-Iraq war. He's done a bunch of speeches, and he's talked about this, and it's like that they arrested 700 people in D.C. in 2009 after the surge in Afghanistan on an anti-war protest. They are so fast to smash down the anti-war anti protests that, like... Yeah, it's, it's insane. That anti-war protest didn't even make it to the Capitol before they, they stomped them out. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking um, with what you were talking about a second ago, um, there's a part in Obama's book, which I tortured myself by reading. I can't reading. believe you yeah. did that. Thank you, thank you, thank you for, <laughs> you for doing that, Jamie. Yeah. yeah. The things we do for content. Yeah. Thank you for your service. Oh, well, oh, salute. Thank you. Um, yeah, there's a part where he talks about um, how they got Osama bin Laden. And he cries some crocodile tears in this chapter at the end where he's like, oh, it took so much coordination and teamwork and public resources to kill Osama bin Laden. If only we could use that to, like, feed the hungry or do health care oh, or whatever. You, dude. <laughs> you want to know what went into the planning of Osa killing of Osama bin Laden? And, and we've, ta we've actually talked about this on stream. So I was, I was deployed at the time on uh, my ship. And little story about my, I actually took the call. Uh, so I, I was an IT, which is an information systems technician. I was a communication watch officer at the time. So I had, uh, I was on a midnight watch, which is 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. was my watch. And I got a call at 2 a.m. And nothing happens at this time, right? It's like, it's such a dead hour. It's fucking cold. I send half my watch to sleep because nothing's going on. And like, we got a call on a secure voice over IP phone. I get this call and I'm told to go get the captain. We had DevGru on, which is SEAL Team 6 development group. And this was a week before the Osama Bin Laden raid, or like three days. And so I get this call and I go and wake up the lieutenant from the DevGru. They come in, uh, I'm the only one allowed in there. I kick everyone out and they're talking, he said go. Um, by 8 a.m. The DevGru was gone. 48 hours later, or 70, 72 hours later, Osama Bin Laden was dead by the DevGru that was on my ship. That's all it took. It wasn't a huge, like, they knew, they've known for years what was going to happen. These people yeah. sit in rooms, they, they plot out everything, well, they, and they have a layout of the land, like, satellites how, and pictures. <laughs> how they got the info, too, was just, like, a bag of cash. Like, they, like, the, the, like, they want to say that Oh, enhanced interrogation, which is just torture. It's all necessary. Blah blah blah. All these things. It was a bag of cash. There was a ransom for the dude, and someone, and 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 one of the guards where he was being held 
<laughs> said, hey, he's here. And then they spent the next almost year developing the plan. One of the helicopters went down, one of these new stealth helicopters, you know, it goes down the whole, th- you know, like that's like, but really like at the end of the day, it's like, how much freedom did we all gain from that? And how much did we lose? I mean, <laughs> yeah. we're all old enough to remember the, I think the lead up to uh, the Iraq war. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly we're old enough to remember, I think the uh, international torture regime yeah. that the CIA and the United States implemented. And uh, it seems like a distant past right now. I mean, I was also on the front lines of anti-war back in 2003, as I'm sure many were as well. But, like, we seem to have forgotten all this, haven't we? It seems like our politics <clears throat> might have changed for a second with the revulsion of uh, torture and, uh, amongst other things, and, and killing around the world. But it doesn't seem to have that big of an effect on American politics or life. I guess because only... You know, brown people overseas are affected by it. When you, and soldiers, of course, but we don't talk about the veterans. When you have a and community. It, and it was Republicans who did that, right? The Democrats are good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. of yeah. course. Well, actually, well we, have, we have a community, like, we have a society in the United States built on fear. Like, say boss bad, you lose your job, right? You try to start a union, you lose your job. And there's very little protections. And I feel like people are, I think the majority of the United States is so focused on living paycheck to paycheck to worry about, like, you know what, and, and to see that and say, hey, why are we spending seven hundred forty billion dollars at the Pentagon and not getting that money in, in like my pocket? That's dumb. But you know, that's that's like the whole Ron Paul narrative, which is just a shitty fucking way to push trickle down economics. Um, like that, that anti-war is bad, right? Like the yeah, anti-war but- that coming from libertarians is bad. But like to uh, look at that and say, yeah, no one cares because our our minds are like squirrels. Every two weeks, there's a new fucking issue. It's like, we don't have $2,000 checks. We don't have any relief. We have a, a massive pandemic, world, global pandemic, that we, you know, we just lost uh, one of our community members to last week, and it just didn't need to happen. Sorry. Uh, and that's where, you know, it's, it's hard to focus on so many things, but, you know, we need people I, still to organize on those front lines. Yeah. Well, I, it's like, I, I think that's why it's like, bar, like war is a bipartisan effort. Um, and you know, we've, we've actually been able to work with like this, this think tank SPRI that like did a thing on like wag the donkey. And it's like, I was like wag the dog of, <laughs> Hey, the war movement will create the war. Um, and, uh, but just focusing on Democrats, how much money the Democrats take from, you know, military industrial complex. Um, and, and, and the fact that they're like largely just in lockstep where the only people you know that are actually voting against these NDAAs um, and the AUMFs when they come up are yeah, like you know the, the squad and like the left you know, the, more, the, the left flank <laughs> of the Democratic Party um, so yeah you know like that's and that's where we, we also try and be like more helpful towards the future um, as far as like trying to do interviews with candidates you know and i try and get like house candidates on and just do one-on-one interviews um with them um and i call it like don't call to come back and it's just like the idea is like especially like for progressive for leftist candidates don't you can't think of uh elections as like the end of the race it's just a checkpoint right it's like marathon type shit and each cycle is just a checkpoint um like aocs don't 
like literally don't happen <laughs> all the time. Um, think more Corey Bush, where the third time was a charm. And, and that's where we need people there that if we're able to talk with them, you know, and with some cases, yeah, we have these conversations about veterans issue, but also anti-war stuff. Also, hey, this is what the military industrial complex looks like. It's going to look like a shipyard that, that wants to save jobs in your community, right? Mm-hmm. And you're, you're going to have to push back against that. It's, you know, it's going to look like a factory that's providing some type of material for the military. That's how it's going to come up. And you need to be able to speak on, say, hey, yes, these jobs are important, but what you are doing is actually detrimental to the, the world, right? Us included. You know, this is not serving defense. It is only serving capital. Um, and so being able to really not change <laughs> minds, but support candidates who understand what's really going on. And, and then also, too, just being able to give them that, that information um, is something that we're, we're all about and, and really trying to get, get going. Yeah. Yeah. Word. And it's important to have the discussion too about how much larger this is than just the military and, and active duty and veterans. And it's an entire military industrial complex. When I mentioned my buddy who went into the Navy all those years back, I was working at an elastomer factory making precision pieces for missiles yep. and helicopters. Yep. And he was at an ammunitions, a munitions factory. Mm-hmm. You know, so even now he might have gone to uh, the Balkans. He might have gone to Afghanistan and Iraq. But like we were both playing our part at home, too. And those jobs like there are other possibilities. There can be other jobs besides like making shit for attack helicopters in this country. Yeah, but attack helicopters are cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, Call of Duty. (laughs) I mean, you can't. (laughs) Yeah. Which to say, I will say this, like if there's not a Call of Duty level of January 6th, where you're some, like, cop, like, <laughs> trying to take down MAGA chuds. Like, <laughs> they're just fucking up so bad. Like, just cancel all Where are our revolutionary coders <laughs> to make that mod, man? Well, we know now that it's not illegal to incite an insurrection, so that's kind of cool, right? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, now yeah. that's, yeah, that's great. <laughs> so we're talking all about the connections between uh, the military-industrial complex, capitalism itself, and imperialism, And, you know, in order to actually solve the root causes of these problems, we probably need a revolution. And that's something that we all understand here. Um, You're nodding your head. Gotta do the thing. Gotta do the thing. The thing or barbarism. The thing. thing. Uh, Gotta be done. And (laughs) the military has served a pretty important role in most revolutions throughout history. But when I talk about the need to organized within the military and split it along class lines, um, some people laugh at me because, you know, liberals especially tend to think that the military is a bunch of MAGA chuds and, you know, they're never going to be socialists. Um, so so what, what openings do you see to do that kind of organizing in the military? Um, how is it impacted by the economic crisis that we're going through right now? And, you know, how... How, how could this help us do the thing in the end? I think, uh, yeah, one, creating the, the, the separation of line. I, I know a lot of leftists, uh, and we've talked about just like being veterans in leftist spaces where, you know, even in some leftist spaces, we, we're compared to like, you're a cop, basically. You are no good. You participated in this and realizing that like cops don't actively recruit poor communities. 
but versus like the military does actively recruit in poor, low-income, um, black and brown communities uh, specifically. They offer citizenship to poor countries to come to the United States, serve in our military. Uh, like the Navy has like one third of its like Filipino nationals, right? So and then my, they become uh, U.S. My, my dad got his citizenship by serving in the army. You know, it took a year, right. a year yeah. of service, and then you're good. I think differentiating that, but also bringing in, um, you know, making making military personnel uh, and veterans understand that war is a racket. You know, I, I like to throw Smedley Butler at them and say, hey, you should read this. I mean, it's literally this thick. It's, it's, it's like 20 pages. It's super easy reading, but also realizing that they are fighting other poor people in other countries that have nothing to do with their governments and realizing that American exceptionalism is actually bullshit and we don't have a moral authority to be anywhere. Uh, and to get that, just those, those plugs in their ears, um, is important to the socialist movement, and we do need a revolution. I 100% agree with you, and I think that revolution starts locally, and that's where, you know, we push yeah. those kind of things. Like, so that, and that union building, right? Like pushing uh, military vets into unions because you can't have a revolution without uh, a, a cohesive militant labor force, and so uh, having these these conversations with fellow vets, and I think being a veteran helps. You know, having conversations with active mm -hmm. duty folk. Uh, and, and you mentioned militaries being involved, but and you've and we realize that every revolution or every uh, movement in history has had former military on the front lines as uh, co-conspirators in that that uh, movement. Like every single movement you you can mention, whether it be the civil rights movement, uh, women's rights movement in the U.S. history. Uh, look at the Bonus Army and what it did in the 1930s and what it achieved. Um, the military veterans on the front lines, we have a unique perspective. Uh, you know, when it comes to these protests, like Black Lives Matter protests in this last summer, uh, you could see military veterans on the front line going in on cops and going in on National Guardsmen, uh, just, just really pushing that narrative, saying, you guys are idiots. Uh, come to our side. You're fighting your own people. Like we are all humans here, and we're just we just want to be able to fucking live. Right? Well, I think I think there's um, also it's like there's a scale, right? Of how do we? I think like my first oh, my first focus always is like how do we try and and disarm uh, disarm the like imperialist structure as much as possible. You know, I very much think of doing the thing as like a conditions like a could there are certain conditions that are necessary to be set prior to a successful thing, you know? Um, and so understanding the current military is much different than, than when anybody else did the thing. And, um, there needs to be a very deep understanding of our military structure. And it's like, we're not going to be able to do the thing with anything like we're going to be able to, to purchase on our own. And so like at the time it was like, then like, what would that look like? It would necessarily have to be certain states having governors who are the commanders in chief of National Guard units that are, you know, sympathetic to socialist causes or even doing the thing themselves. Um, and so that's where there, there needs to be a may a, a federal uh, effort of making sure that the military industrial complex is curtailed as much as possible, but also a local uh 
local grassroots movement of making sure that the local officials, the people who are actually serving in these apparatuses, you know, understand and also are sympathetic to those causes so that if the thing happens, um, you're, you're just going to need part of that military industrial complex to then serve for your purposes or else you're just going to get steamrolled. So, um, yeah. I, so even if you couldn't get governors on the people's side, on the workers' side, you're saying that you at least want them in the position where they're not authorizing live fire on, say, strikes yes, or something. Yeah. Where they're too, there's too much leverage for them to do the, you know, the, the real, uh, yeah. Yeah, the real violence. And I, I mean, like, just and like to make it like plain, it's just like, yeah, there's never been a revolution that's that's been that's been fought against the most powerful, you know, like army in the world that's ever existed in the yeah. world. Yeah. And so, yeah. understanding that that's what we're up against during the thing, it's like a very serious, very serious thing, you know. And that's yeah. where it's like, yeah. like, like, yeah, we could talk about it, but a lot of people just say, oh, I'm gonna, you know buy some guns and go to the range and that's how I prepare is like, no, no, then you're not really thinking about it because we're not dealing with, uh, an opponent that has that same capabilities. No, you know, yeah. when I was a squad leader in an infantry unit, I mean, there's all types of bombs and shit that they just give us. And I'm going to disagree <laughs> with Marcus here. I, I'm going to say that a majority of the military because of their background and because of the poverty draft, I think the majority of the military would not fire upon um, you at like U.S. citizens. I do not. Well, think they and, would and fu- I would say and that's, I think they that's, would lay down their arms. I think. They but that's would, something that's like yeah. as right now. But like, I think if we start, if we like look into, hey, a few months, a few years into a, a concerted demonization compa- campaign, you know, like. Especially too is like like the most of the people serving, you know, like I wasn't paying attention with what was really going on at home. Why? Because I'm segregated and on a base. And so that's where like if there is this in like what is the base largely playing? Mostly Fox News. And then that was under Obama they're mostly playing Fox News and the chow halls and all these things, you know. So it's like that's where it's like, hey, if there was actually a serious revolutionary effort there'd also be a consorted effort by the military and military industrial complex to push back you know it's the same reason why we said don't call the insurrectionists domestic terrorists because they're just going to use that create another patriot act or or, like strengthen it and eventually that's just going to be used against the left um so like yeah being able to like just understand and 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 walk that tightrope of and understand like the propaganda efforts are dangerous and they will utilize that to a stronger point. This is this is a good. You guys obviously don't agree on everything here, and I <laughs> yeah. think that uh, probably all four of you have like a different idea about how things could shake out. But it's important for the listeners, and I'm proud that we got you on to to get the the opinions of people who actually have been inside of this imperial apparatus, one that could be turned is already in a sense being turned inwards towards us. Uh, you guys know better than anybody, you know what we would be facing in that situation. So I think it's it's important. Uh, at least that, and that much more is important for left flank vets to be around. Yeah. No, we're breaking up right now. We disagreed once. Yeah, so. we disagreed. Uh, oh. We're not. We're not getting back together. <laughs> I think it wasn't the opinion on the Hamilton. No, yeah, that's that the, yeah. Okay. Well, that's that just, was that's just started it, and now you know, just this is finished. The <laughs> fire is just yeah, it's, it's too strong. So, now. So I feel like I always do this when we're getting to towards the end of the show and like 
cheat by stacking a bunch of questions on top of each other into one question. But I want to follow up and ask um, what impact you think this insane omni crisis that we are in right now is going to have on all of these efforts to, uh, you know, organize within the military, because I could see it going either way, really. Um, On the one hand, you know, people are desperate. People are desperate for money. People are saddled with high levels of student debt um, that would seem to increase the power that, you know, capital and the government has over everybody going into the military. You know, on the other hand, um, this can be very radicalizing for some. So what impact do you think it's going to have? I th- well, I know that, yeah, like there's always been reports that like actually like military recruiters are setting up to, to, to catch, yeah, to be that catch for people who are in an economic crisis. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> I, I, it would be a hope. Like my hope is that people will say, instead of spending money on the Pentagon, let's instead spend money on 2000 reoccurring checks that are actually retroactive. Let's spend money on um, a national healthcare system so to make sure that if this ever, you know, a no disease or health crisis, you know, puts you out of out of out of uh, living a healthy life, um, financially or otherwise. Um, but you know, my my fear is that Joe Biden is going to you know find a war, and you know, people are going to be in in such a depressed state that that the military is going to be a, a viable option. And, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I hope, I hope to be a part of like that, <laughs> the push against that. Um, because uh-huh. that's, that's where I see things going. And like, that seems like with Biden, it's just not, not all that hopeful. You know, if we did have a Bernie, you know, as president, it would be, you know, a whole different mindset of like where our country is going. Um, yeah. But it, it looks like Biden is going to have an ample workforce uh, just starving, you know, literally starving and, and being willing to do whatever they have to do to survive, which, you know, we totally get. Yeah, I, I, I want. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I think with everything going around right now, um, you know, before the pandemic, uh, the debt to income ratio is just the worst it's been in U.S. history, and it's something that just it's not really talked about. We talk about student loan debt a lot, but like regular credit card debt to income ratio is ridiculous right now, and we're looking at another crash. Um, don't know when it's going to happen. I thought it would happen in April, like 2019. Didn't. Um, now it's just going to. We're in uh, we're in suspended animation now, but for every month we wait on uh, on liquidating that capital, it's only going to get more uh, spicy. So it's coming. And I, and I see, it's on and the I see Biden um, bailing out the banks. I, I see him doing exactly what they did in two thousand nine, um, and I see people joining the military uh, based on you know their economic like, conditions. Like Jamie said, economic conditions. I, I believe that people join. But morale will be so low. Morale is already incredibly low. And I think people don't realize that about the U.S. military is active duty troops morale is so low. There are viral videos every day of like going around to their unit saying, hey, what would you say to your recruiter? And all of them said, fuck you, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's just a normal sentiment. If we go to war with Iran, uh, none of us have seen a U.S. 
naval carrier sink. If we go to war with Iran, Iran, you will see a U.S. naval carrier sink. Guaranteed. You will see no a doubt. lot 100%. of death. I mean, there's 77 million people in Iran. When we fought Vietnam, which fought back the U.S. imperialist army, uh, it was 11 million, right? That was the, the, the population at the time. It is 77 million in Iran with a 2 million uh, standing army. So you're looking with nuclear weapons and missiles, you're looking at a lot of death and destruction, including a geopolitical situation pulling Russia, uh, um, Turkey, Israel into this area. All for what? A Qatar pipeline that China wants, that Russia wants, that the U.S. wants. Um, and we want, we want access to it. And so the military, like people in the military, I don't feel are that as dumb, but they do need to be talked to as far as talked about things like this um, and just being brought to the forefront of saying, hey, what you're doing is participating in this. And when they get out, you know, they join the left flank of that community um, yeah. or about face or vets for peace or something that is actually organizing a fight. Which, you know, something that was like, we don't like none of us are like, well, Erica, she... She's a gamer, you know. She used to like be on a gaming team. She plays the, the like what? I don't even care. I remember the freaking game. But the uh, veterans for peace, they're 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 not starting. You know, like it's not just them, but they're they're supporting heavily a a anti war gaming team, and that's where I think you're, you like there should be there should be even more efforts to that, um, because yeah, like while I was in my barracks room, you know drinking beers and watching the you know the the youtube videos of the majority report everyone else was playing call of duty or um uh the football the football game the sports ball game um and all of those things um and so that's yeah and like honestly at the end of the day if we have a anti considered anti-war movement like that's I think that's the message that sells for most for most uh, it, like people who are serving is that you don't like you don't have to deal with this you don't have to potentially die you know you don't have to do any of this bullshit you could literally just sit in your barracks room and play video games and just got to work out every once in a while like that could be your life yes if and, we, and knowing if we that, didn't like, do so much imperialism and knowing that like when you get out hey there's a community on the left that you know we shoot guns too. We're part of SRA. Like we, yeah. we have organizing. Or just there's a community, really. Yeah, there's that there's community. just a community because that's something that they do pump into the pipeline is that the military is the only community that you'll ever have. If you leave, you'll never be anything again. And it kind of, and like the way it's all set up, it's kind of true. You know, you get out of the military and it's just like, oh hey, I'm just some dude and I don't know anybody and I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, but also, like, you know, these anti-government libertarians that get out because that's what they've been taught, there is an anti-establishment on the left. You don't have to be on the left and be a Democrat. It's just a thing yeah. uh, left, that I mean, people Democrats don't really understand because, you know, you you have people in for, like, 20 years yelling about career politicians, like, what the fuck did you just do for the last 20 years? <laughs> you are a career politician, <laughs> and now you're a defense contractor. Like, you're yelling about the wrong people. Like, you need to look inward, and they just don't. And so that's where, you know, there there is that spot on the left for you. Hell yeah. Well, we like to end on a call to action, uh, if we can. So, you know, people know how to get involved. You've been answering this question all along, really. But, um, yeah, what can people do, people who are listening, who care about these issues, either inside or outside of the military, 
do, in your opinion, if they really want to get involved and make an impact? Um, well, if you want to make the biggest impact to fight the military industrial complex, you need to go to twitch.tv slash left flank No, it's just a joke. Um, I knew you were going. <laughs> um, first, I'd say if, if, if you are someone that knows somebody that's currently serving, um, whether you think they will be receptive to this information or not, um, you know, you've got the GI, uh, GI rights hotline. You've got about face veterans groups. Um, who will, will be able to give them information about how to not do it in imperialism while they are serving. Um, and then <laughs> I would say past that, you know, make sure you're just active in, you know, like your local organizations. You know, we've uh, Lorax named a bunch that he was a part of. Um, Which but, I'm going you know, to in a second. He's going to, yeah, I'll let him, I'll let him <laughs> do that. Uh, but but really, you know, for me, at the end of the day, cyberbully your local, state, and federal representatives and make sure that, you know, you're, you're, you're giving them the whole laundry list of everything that you want. And, and whether you make it a daily thing that takes five minutes or you make time with one of their staffers and say, hey, I want an hour of your time to tell you everything that I believe that, that this my, my representative should be doing, you know, please... Please, please, please do that. Um, and, and, and yeah, you're, you're being a part of the cause. Um, yeah, for, uh, you know, joining a, for me, it's joining a local organization, getting involved in your community. Uh, you know, you, you, we do have the veteran community if you want to get involved. If you are a veteran or active duty, um, yeah, absolutely check us out. I think that's actually a good plug um, because we will tell you from our Twitch stream to get involved in your local community. Join Socialist Alternative, uh, PSL. I know PSL does great work down here in San Diego, um, a very strong organization down here. Um, it, I mean, find find a group that fits you. DSA is a great one. Uh, DSA is a good big tent organization as well. Like, if you... Um, want to do a lot of reading about Marx, join Socialist Alternative, you know? It's, it's, but also, you know, putting that organizing to action, that, that theory to praxis, uh, as, you know, it's the most important part. You can absolutely shitpost on Twitter. No one's going to stop you. You can retweet. Retweets are free. Posting on Facebook is free. But also, you know, getting involved and talking to people and building that community. And if you have a leftist candidate running for office, push, push them, you know? get involved in your local city council and electoral politics sucks i know um hey i i hate electoral <laughs> politics and i don't think we can vote ourselves out of capitalism but that's me but at least get involved like kashama Sawant in seattle is great she's a socialist alternative candidate at least there's that claim to fame for socialist alternative there there are people nithya raman in la you know that was a huge seat that hillary clinton and nancy pelosi both endorsed her opponent LA City Council is one of the most powerful local governments in the world, and like people discount that because local government, it's not shiny, it's not pretty, like uh, AOC or like um, you know Cory Bush or Jamal Bowman, right? You can do a lot locally, and I think getting involved locally is is the next step to our revolution. And push for unions, support unions. Fuck, if we could get everyone out of uh, yeah, and not shirt just into wait, a union not, shirt, not just labor unions, tenants unions as well. Right, understand it's like there's different ways to organize and just try to do that as much as possible. Your money's powerful. Words to live by. Your money is powerful. 
people always want words to yeah. live by um thanks so much to both of you i would say one other thing is that uh if you are a viewer of the antifada twitch stream i don't know if it's random or it's a schedule thing but we seem to raid the left flank vets channel about probably more than anybody else but we yeah. love to support them so if you if you go to our twitch stream we'll inevitably end up on the left flank vets twitch stream because we we love them and we support them so much so thanks so much for coming on the antifada we really appreciate it yeah, thanks guys thank you so thank much you for thank having you for having us yeah, yeah. Thank you so i was much. i was like nervous and throwing up before this because i'm such a oh, such a okay. huge fan such I a pack Atomic bomb. Stop it! Stop it! I don't like it! Stop it! What's your meaning, Larry? Ah, you think like I think. You're a monk. I'm a monk. We're all monks. Dave, Larry, Eddie, Roger, everybody, let's go. Speed time is hot time. 